What's up, my Forgotten History nerds? You're listening to the Forgotten History Nerds podcast, where each week we take a special in-depth look at a custom figure, event, or place that has either been forgotten or downright neglected by the mainstream version of history that they taught you in school. And trust me, they didn't teach you this one in school. As always, I'm your host of this fine historical, and today, tipsy, program, M. V. Ginzali. Today's episode is going to be a very special treat for you and me both. Now, if you've noticed in the past nine out of our previous ten episodes of the show, we have, for the most part, stayed within the confines of the 19th and 20th centuries. On this episode, we're going way back to the days of ancient Egypt to uncover its tipsy history with beer. So sit back, relax, have a cold one, and enjoy yourselves. Maybe not Salim the blonde level of enjoyment, though. Ha ha ha, historian humor. Ten points if you actually understood that reference. Let's get on with the show! Now, this might surprise a lot of you because ancient Egypt was millennia ago. It feels like a whole nother world. But we actually have ancient Egypt to thank for a lot of the things that we enjoy today in our modern world. Things like breath mints, police dogs, pregnancy tests, the toothbrush, the 365-day calendar, labor strikes, the concept of the zoo, limb prosthetics, bowling, as well as beer. Now, I say that but I also need to make an important distinction with that claim too. See, the concept of beer predates the Egyptian civilization by a long time. It dates back to the days of the agricultural revolution. What the ancient Egyptians did do, however, was create a brew that is more in line with the beer that we know of today, rather than the previous versions that existed within the ancient world. To the people of Kemet, aka ancient Egypt, beer was a part of everyday life for, well, Everyone, everyone drank beer. The young, the old, the rich, the poor, men, women, and children. It was a staple of the ancient Egyptian diet. It wasn't looked at in the same way as we view beer as nowadays, but it was seen rather as a nutritious beverage that was good for you. To be fair, that wasn't entirely wrong. This is because of some of the fruity ingredients they would add when brewing their beer. Of course, they still saw it as an intoxicant too. Don't get that confused. It was actually more common to see someone drinking beer than it was water in ancient Egypt. This being due in large part due to the waters of the Nile not being safe for someone to consume. Hell, doctors in ancient Egypt would prescribe beer for various ailments somebody might be going through. Huh, get it? Ailments? I'm funny. But seriously, can you imagine? Try to picture in our modern world your doctor prescribing you a Corona or Bud Light or Budweiser for something like a fever. Wicked, huh? I think my favorite thought that they had about beer was that it was a link to the soul's various parts. Oh, yeah, they believe there were multiple parts of the soul. Topic for another day. This episode is just the beer episode. The ancient Egyptians had many names for beer. The most common one was Heket, ultimately known as Tenemu. Remember this name. The selection of beer types available to the ancient Egyptians weren't as limited as you'd think at first thought. There were multiple different kinds of beer. Those in the upper tier of ancient Egyptian society, such as pharaohs and religious leaders, enjoyed beer that was generally considered to be of a higher quality than the beer consumed by commoners. These elites also got to enjoy wine. Topic for another episode. You will love that one too. Beer was more of a commoner's drink, but again, everybody drank it. Beer was often served at ancient Egyptian funerals, and this kind of beer had a much higher alcohol content than normal beer at the time did. Some beer had ingredients such as cheese, ginger, carrots, olive oil, dates, malt, amongst other things. 
Just this year, archaeologists discovered what is perhaps the world's oldest extensive brewery in history in the Abydos site. For those of you unaware of what Abydos was, Abydos was a major ancient Egyptian city, one of the earliest actually. Today, the site is a major archaeological site that has helped us to discover many aspects of the lost culture. Anyways, this thing wasn't just any small-scale brewery that could make a couple of gallons at a time. No, 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 no. Experts have put the number of gallons this place could produce at the time somewhere along the realm of 5,000 to 5,900 gallons at a time. They also say the site could very well date back to the days of the pharaoh Narmer. Wicked, huh? Wait, you don't know who Narmer is? Dudes, Narmer was one of the most, if not the most, important pharaohs in Egyptian history. Here's just a small crash course on his resume. He united the upper and lower portions of Egypt into a single state, aka the ancient Egypt that we know today. He was the first pharaoh. He founded the first dynasty. Point is, he was very important and very, 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 very old. Nevertheless, most beer production in the early portions of ancient Egyptian history came from the homes of everyday folk, mostly women. The reason being that brewing beer was generally seen as that of a domestic task on par with cooking. Though, the number of female brewers would decrease significantly over time as the practice became more and more state-run. I would like to say around the time of the Middle Kingdom, don't quote me, when this happened, the process became a mostly male-dominated affair. Much like the beer they brewed, brewers also held a special place within ancient Egyptian society. Well, more so when this practice became more government-controlled, as I said. Brewers were very well-respected people, and sometimes even held political power, or at least influence, over some who had it. I have read tales of them rubbing elbows with pharaohs, and even having their own special tombs constructed, filled with things such as gold, to a much lesser extent, of course, that one would typically find in the tomb of a pharaoh. Still noteworthy, though. Beer was so popular back then, that it was actually used as currency. There's this popular rumor out there, that persists that many of ancient Egypt's pyramids were built using slave labor. This isn't true. Now, that's not to say the ancient Egyptians didn't have slaves. They certainly did. The majority of them were prisoners of war, trophies of sorts to the political leaders of their day. The slaves also drank beer too, by the way. The real history on who built the pyramids actually relates to beer, believe it or not. The workers who built the pyramids of Giza, for example, were paid in beer about three times a day. This most likely wasn't the only instance where this was done either. Other archaeological evidence points to the assertion that beer was a common form of currency paid for various kinds of labor. A Vincent van Gogh dream, perhaps. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, Vincent van Gogh had a massive problem with alcohol during his life. Not a joke, just a reference. A moment ago when I said that women were the earliest brewers of beer in ancient Egypt, well, they would often use the profession to provide, or at least provide some extra funds for their family. My apologies for forgetting to mention that earlier, my forgotten history nerds. Do you recall a moment ago when I said that everybody drank beer? Well, this included the pharaohs of ancient Egypt, too. Multiple pharaohs' tombs have been unearthed with jars containing beer residue. Some of them, only a hardcore Egyptologist would know who they are. Some of them, a casual person off the streets would know who they are. Like... 
this one. One of the priceless treasures discovered within the tomb of Tutankhamun was, you guessed it, beer. Here's something really cool about that. In 1990, while digging at the Sun Temple of Queen Nefertiti, that's the supposed mother of King Tut, and most likely his aunt. Yeah. Experts discovered something of note. Jars filled with beer residue. The residue was examined in a laboratory and brought back from cultural extinction. They called it Tutankhamun Ale, the beer of his majesty. The first bottle sold at auction for a thousand bucks. Yep, one grand for one bottle of beer. That's the most expensive beer ever sold. Now, I like beer. Well, I'm more of an angry orchard guy. But shit, a thousand bucks is way too much. Now, granted, the remaining 999 bottles made would be sold for about 50-something bucks a pop. Unfortunately, you can't get a bottle of this stuff now, though. This beer came in in, like, I want to say 1996? What would you guys have done, though, if you came across this under the $50 price tag? Would you have bought a bottle? I'm not gonna lie, I probably would, just to be able to experience the same, or at least a similar taste that the ancient Egyptian royalty once enjoyed. Those who got to have it, by the way, said it didn't taste like any kind of beer they had ever had before. Just some food for thought. Back to ancient Egypt. Their love for beer was so great that it even made its way into multiple aspects of their religion, including their gods. For example, when you think of ancient Egyptian gods, I'd imagine that Ra isn't too far from your mind, yes? The god of the sun, who sailed through the sky by day and the underworld at night, bringing the sun with him wherever he went, the sun itself, the literal creator of everything. At least, according to ancient Egyptian mythology. Yep, beer even integrates into his mythology. The story goes that humans had either conspired against Ra, or just weren't worshipping him enough. Ra was just a teeny tiny little bit pissed. Pissed enough to transform his daughter Hathor, the goddess of the sky, woman, happiness, and love, into Sekhmet, the bloodthirsty lion-headed ancient Egyptian goddess of war. Then, he unleashed her upon the mortal world to seek his revenge. Sekhmet quickly embarked on a bloody rampage the likes of which had never been seen before. She killed person after person, town after town, city by city, with no signs of slowing down. Nobody was safe. No man, no woman, no child. No one was safe from Sekhmed. At first, Ra was quite pleased with Sekhmed's rampage, until it just kept going, and going, and going, and going. Each time, getting more and more bloody, too bloody for Ra's liking, long before all of mankind, was in danger of death. With nobody left alive, there would be nobody left to worship Ra. This could not stand. This kind of reminds me of Freddy versus Jason. You know, when Freddy's controlling Jason, using him to kill people so they'd remember him and thus fear him again. Then when Jason, or in this case, Sekhmet, spilled too much blood, getting upset with them for it. Wow, I wonder if anybody else in history has made this comparison, comparing Freddy versus Jason to ancient Egyptian mythology. Anyways... Ra knew that brute force could not stop her reign of terror. Sekhmet and her bloodlust had grown too powerful even for him. Instead, he devised a more tactical method of dealing with the issue. He advised the people of Egypt, slash did it himself, depending on the version of the legend you hear, to mix hematite. For those of you unaware of what that is, Hematite is a reddish to reddish brown mineral that is often used as red colored dye. It was decided to mix a vast amount of beer with the aforementioned mineral, thereby giving it a reddish or, if you will, blood color to it. Next, 
In the area where Sekhmet was known to have began her killing streak, it was flooded with the beer. When Sekhmet returned to the spot, she was absolutely ecstatic at the sight of all this quote-unquote blood. She drank as much blood as she possibly could, getting drunker and drunker each time. Before long, she had passed out from all the alcohol. When she awoke, she was no longer Sekhmet, but rather sweet, kind Hathor once more. Mankind had just been saved by beer. And through this journey, Hathor earned a new title as the goddess of drunkenness. In celebration of this event, a sacred event would be held on the 20th of Thoth every year. Thoth was the first month of the ancient Egyptian calendar. For us, that would be the equivalent to the 30th of September in our modern Gregorian calendar, if I'm not mistaken. It was called the Tech Festival, better known as the Festival of Drunkenness. The name of the game was that people would drink to excessive levels, the thought being that this altered state of consciousness would allow them to interact with the goddess herself. Other aspects of this festival included dancing, flowers, and eventually passing out drunk. The next morning, they'd be awakened to the sounds of heavy drums being played by local musicians. Once they woke up, they would offer prayer to Hathor as thanks. Though, there may have been a little more to tech. <laughs> Uh, here's what I mean by that. Do you remember a moment ago when I said that Hathor was the goddess of love? Well, some scholars believe that there was another aspect to this celebration that celebrated this aspect of her too. They say that those participating within the festival would often engage in orgies. This tradition began during the times of the Middle Kingdom, about, say, three to 4,000 years ago, and lasted up until the fall of ancient Egypt. Yeah, that was the Middle Kingdom period. Ancient Egyptian civilization lasted for thousands of years. Allow me to put the sheer scope of it into perspective for you. The life and death of Cleopatra VII, ancient Egypt's final pharaoh, is closer in years to our modern day than it is the beginnings of ancient Egypt. Now, here's just a mindfuck. During the ancient Egyptian civilization, the woolly mammoth still walked the earth as a living species. History sure is intoxicating, isn't it? Pun definitely intended. Aser, aka Osiris, is probably best known as the ancient Egyptian god of death and the afterlife. However, that's not the only thing Osiris served as the god of. He was also known as the god of resurrection, agriculture, vegetation, and alcohol in a way. Osiris was believed to have been the one who taught the ancient Egyptians exactly how to brew beer. Oh, and just like Tutankhamun, there's a beer nowadays with the Osiris name to it. It just doesn't have any connection to ancient Egypt that I know of anyway. Therefore, I see it as a lot less interesting and relevant. Beer is not just limited to these two ancient Egyptian gods. The ancient Egyptians are known for their wide variety of gods and goddesses. Set, the god of chaos. Thoth, the god of knowledge. Amut, the devourer of the dead. Amha, the devourer of millions. Beset the goddess of cats, Shezmu, the god of blood, and wine, just to name a few of the over 2,000 deities that the ancient Egyptians worshipped. Amongst them was Nephthys, the goddess of beer. Yeah, they had a goddess of beer. Actually, they had a couple goddesses of beer. There was also Tenet, the goddess of beer and brewing. Back to Osiris for a second. Osiris is often called the god of beer in Egyptian mythology, Tenet is sometimes credited with helping Osiris brew beer, 
So because of her closeness to beer, common Egyptians referred to the brew as Tenemu after her. Other gods, such as Bess, are known to have really, really enjoyed beer. For this same reason, amongst a couple others, beer would occasionally be ceremonially offered to statues of ancient Egyptian gods. Hell, I've even heard evidence that points to beer being present at sacrificial rituals in the gods' honor. Ancient Egyptians would also place beer within or at the grave sites of their loved ones. It was one of the most common gifts left at grave sites, actually, at the time. Oh, on the subject of death and beer, after an ancient Egyptian funeral had ceased, the deceased loved ones would sometimes gather at sort of a mercy meal, but with beer available. This beer would have a bit more alcohol percentage to it than the common beer would that you'd be drinking on the streets on a given time. Picture yourself for a moment at, say, your cousin Louie's mercy meal, having a pint or getting hammered. Weird, huh? Thanks for listening, guys. I sincerely hope you liked what you just heard and would like to see more of the show. If you did, let me know. The ancient Egyptians also have a fascinating history with wine. I'd love to be able to tell that story. I publish a new podcast episode every week. Next week's podcast is going to be about the time I explored a World War II plane crash wreckage in New Hampshire and the story behind it. Please share the show around with your friends. Help me grow the show into something special. We have listeners in the United States, the United Kingdom, Ireland, Germany, Poland, and Brazil. Let's get this show all around the world. That's all for now, folks. I've been MV Jinzali. This has been the Forgotten History Nerds podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Forgotten History Nerds. And remember to always read in between the lines. P.S. If you wonder why there hasn't been a new episode in over a month, I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety problems on top of finals and a full-time schedule at work, so I sincerely apologize. I'll try to upload a lot more frequently. Thank you for your understanding, guys. You guys are awesome. Have a great day.